the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles. I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that will play all the big news hits from Bolton Wanderers. It's all killer. It's no filler. So grab yourself a drink and sing along if you know the words. And on this week's Festival of Buff, what happened to Kane and Keanu? Transfer mysteries solved. The 1% Club. Bolton want marginal gains. Dan's done. But Canon Lundlu show Premier League pedigree. And we catch up with a fit and refreshed Jan Daddy Badvarsen. Will the Iceman catch a break this season? Things are starting to warm up on the football front, aren't they? It's uh, about a month to go before the League One season kicks off. There is definitely excitement in the air. Um, might, might be pollen, actually. Don't even get me started on pollen at the minute. But uh, anyway, enough of that. Time to bring on the podcast equivalent of an antihistamine tablet. The Bolton Kiki D to my Elton John. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how you doing, pal? I'm good, thanks, Mark. Don't go breaking my heart. Give me some transfer news. That's what we've been missing this week. You know what? Without without actual transfers being made, uh, it's been a very eventful week, hasn't it, with Bolton? It's never. There's never a dull week at Bolton, as you always say. But uh, look, it, it's starting to warm up. It's starting to feel a bit more like football again. You have that strange kind of dark zone of a month. Uh, between mid-May and mid-June, where everybody's off on their holidays. Very few answers are, are coming out of football clubs, and there's very few kind of movers and shakers actually in the football club anyway doing anything. So it's all kind of treading water, but now we're just starting to see things emerge. You're seeing contract signings, you're seeing transfers, well, breaking down, but we'll we'll get into that later on. Um, yeah, loads of stuff coming on. We're starting to, uh, to gear up now towards a, a brand new season. It's in fact... The last weekend, this weekend, the last weekend before, uh, well, the last footballless weekend is what I'd say. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's something exciting about July when uh, the friendlies are happening and uh, a mix with transfers and um, yeah, and the build up to the the season. So uh, yeah, we've, we've come through. I think when the fixtures get released, that's when everything starts to properly ramp up and mm. we're in that stage now. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to... I think the the difference this year to other years has been I'm genuinely really looking forward to Bolton being back. And I have been previously, but I think this year we there's an expectation there with Bolton that we think we could have a promotion charge here. So I, I think I'm, I'm... I can't wait to that, that first game of the season and... Uh, to see, to, you know, to see how we do, and 
Mm. I mean, being a Bolton fan, we know that you are setting yourself up for disappointment when you expect. But uh, <laughs> this is a new Bolton Wanderers, so I fully expect us to uh, win the league and get 100 points. I was trying to think, actually. I, I suppose it's the League 2 season. I was, I was trying to think back as to when was the last time we went into a season thinking automatics. And I, I suppose it is the, the League 2 season. I think most of us went down there and, and thought if Bolton aren't in the top three, then they're probably kind of failed as to, to, to where they were going that season. But it was it was a weird old time. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of weird things were happening at the time. And actually, weirdly enough, it's, it's Ian Everett's third anniversary on Saturday, uh, July the first. Yeah, July the first. Yeah. So, um, I mean, when you think about how far things have come and, and how different things felt back then, I mean, I had to look at his team. Is the team the first team he actually named? Um, it was at Bamber Bridge, which is where they kick off preseason this year. Um, and it was um, it, 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 they they played at Atherton Coles a couple of weeks beforehand, but the only t- they didn't really the only sort of mentioned a few players. The first actual team sheet that they came out with. Was was absolutely mad, and I'm trying to trying to find exactly where it is. I'll I, I will keep them occupied, Henry. I'm going to try and find where this <laughs> where this team sheet is. <laughs> well, just thinking back to that time, and um, you know, I did something similar. I watched the because the club put on all the the goals that were scored in that league two season, and I watched that. And some of the names that are in there, you you forgot they existed, like. You know, I remember like uh, Brendan Conley, for example. I mean, he looks all right in the first few games. Mm-hmm. Santos looked like a donkey, but he looked all right, and then it ended up being <laughs> vice versa. Um, and yeah, and then obviously the likes of uh, you know Billy Credlin and uh, I think Reese Greenwich might have been in the I've team. Got and, I've got it. Um, I've got it. I've just found it. Here Tom, we go. I'll, I'll read White these guys. Well. How about this for for a team at Bamba Bridge? This was the squad: Billy Credlin, Ricardo Santos, Ryan Delaney. Reese Greenwich, Jack Hickman, Andy Tutt, Tom White, Brandon Comley, Ali Crawford, Nathan Delfonso, and Owen Doyle. They were the starting 11. Wow. On the bench, Matty Alexander, Harry Brockbank, Alex Baptiste, George Taft, Gethin Jones, Liam Gordon, Anthony Sarsavik, Ronan Darcy, Sonny Graham, Dennis Politic, Bright Amoateng, Mo Fall, and Callum King Harms. Wow. His name is a pub. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, we've changed a lot, and uh, hopefully this now, and uh, we'll discuss some of the new contracts that have been signed and stuff like mm. that later on in the show. But uh, yeah, I think um, I think this, I don't, I can't see us having as many changes now going forward. I think it will be, uh, you know, hopefully the nucleus of a, a, a very similar team as as we get to the championship, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, isn't it? I think there's only what is there only two players, I think, in Jones and Santos that are still here. So, well, Thomason uh, wasn't in that list there. That's the weird thing. I think, if I remember rightly, George Thomason was playing for Bamba Bridge in that friendly. Oh, right. Okay. I think they'd loaned him to them and he was playing against Bolton. Um, at that point in time, I did not see any career for George Thomason, I have to say. Uh, he was kind of like one of Keith Hill's guys, and I didn't really know a lot about him. We'd barely seen him, but um, no, he's, he's, he's the third. He's the third one. He's been there longer than anybody else, George, bless him. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, he's out in Portugal. They're all out in Portugal at the minute. Uh, I think they fly back at the weekend to start training 
obviously as normal on Lostock and the new brand new improved Lostock by the way they all the pictures have been uh, dug up redrained and redone so hopefully that uh, will bring about some some advantages we'll talk about some of these one percent gains in a bit but it's been quite nice being having that uh, detachment for me I, I'm often sat in Portugal with these guys or you know out out abroad etc this is the first time in ages that i haven't done the pre-season largely because they wasn't playing any games was the main reason they didn't go over but um zoom calls and photo galleries and and it, it seems like a it's like a, it's a nice exciting way to start things off it is isn't it it's um you know i think this is again you, you know you think back to previous years with bolton and uh uh, we haven't really had this, and uh, no. you know we're operating on a, a there's a normal football club now, and it's all part of it. And yeah, it's uh, it's been great hearing the players again, and ca- you know it's kind of like a, a catch up with them, um, and some of the players as well. You know, you look at the likes of Idale and Bud Barson, who, who we haven't heard of for a while because they've been injured. It's nice to see them back, and mm. um, and yeah, it's uh, it's everything just looks fresh. And I, I I've got to say as well, I mean obviously the club aren't going to put out the the players not looking like this, but for me, the the players look up for it. You know, they look mm. like they're prepared for a long, hard season, which is good to see. Do you know what? That's the thing. And I've I've worked at lots of different incarnations of Bolton, lots of different clubs down the years. I've been doing this what how many years now? Twenty two years as journalist, more than. And every time you come back for pre-season, the great thing is it feels like anything's possible because it's all fresh. Everybody's got that enthusiasm. Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody's looking good. They've been out on the summer. They're nice and relaxed. I mean, look, by October, it'll be a nightmare again and we'll be, you know, cussing and, you know, wishing the summer we're here again. But right here, right now, anything's possible. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good time. It's a good time. Shall we then get into some transfers? quite a lot of transfers to explain this week um or rather two deals that have broken down entirely um so henry i'm gonna let you be the conscience here uh, i'm gonna let you ask me <laughs> the questions because uh we uh, i mean uh, it's it's it, it all makes sense in my head but it's a bit like that that meme with uh, with russell uh, russell uh, crow rather and the beautiful mind uh, I can see all the equations and everything, but I, I I can't quite put it into words. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to help me out here. <laughs> right. Well, let's start off first of all uh, with Kane Wilson. We ended the podcast last week going, "I'd be very surprised if Kane Wilson isn't a Bolton player <laughs> by the weekend." Um, it's now the weekend after, and he's still not a Bolton player. So what's happening with this one? Famous last words is what it is, Henry. Famous last words. Transfers are never done until they are done, are they? Um, yeah, I think when we finished recording last week, I was, I would have said, 95% certain that uh, Kane Wilson's deal would have been done. I thought we were going to miss it for the podcast. Uh, all the noises coming from uh, Bristol City, from uh, the players' representatives, even from Bolton, were very, very positive. Everything was great. Now, something, something has stopped them in their tracks there. Um, and 
it is fair to say there have been conflicting accounts on it. So, you know, a lot of people will be saying, listen, he's failed medical. And, I, and, and certainly that is one school of thought. A lot of people are also saying that Bolton failed to agree terms with him. And that is also a school of thought. Uh, what is true depends on who you talk to. What is definitely true is he's not coming to Bolton. I think that's that's game over for that one. Um, I wish the guy well. I hope there's no issues that's going to stop him signing for another club because it looks like he's he's obviously not going to get a chance there at, at Bristol City. Um, but Bolton have seen something in the deal or in the renegotiated deal that they didn't like and they've stepped away. I think this summer they're going to be careful. They know they're going to be spending and the last thing they want is to come out the other end of a transfer with a deal that doesn't suit them, is the bottom line. Yeah, I saw a lot on social media this week. The, the disappointments there, obviously, uh, I think when you look on social media and when you look at the message boards and whatever, it seems to be a it's, it's a cycle of um, transfers get uh, leaked or rumours start to happen. The, clubs, the, the fans of each club are having bans with each other. Then it doesn't happen and then suddenly it's all because of this or that or it's this or it's your fault, Mark, mm-hmm. or whoever whoever else. But I think as a fan, as disappointing as it is, and, I, you know, I, I don't... I listened back to the previous podcast where I kind of said, oh, we've never heard of any of these players. And I don't want to seem uh, disrespectful to them, but I think most of the players we are linked with at this level, you haven't actually heard of. We haven't heard of Connor Bradley or James Trafford when they came in. You know, the players lower down, you you might have heard of them or Bolton might have come across them. But on the whole, they're, they're new sort of players to us. So I think, you know, it's for me, I would rather us, if we're going to spend money, I'd rather it be either the right deal or make sure that there's nothing wrong with the player mm. rather than just waste it on players who, let's face it, 12 months down the line, if it don't work out, we'll be trying to get rid of them. Or trying yeah. to loan them out, so um, yeah, I think there's as disappointing as it is. There's also a bit of I don't know. It's it's, a, it's it's I'm quite relieved. I'm quite relieved that the club have got this attitude as well. Is that you know if the deal's not right, then it's not right, and it doesn't matter if it's been leaked or the fans are going to get upset or every post that they do on social media is announced Wilson underneath it. <laughs> if the club don't want to do it, they don't want to do it, but. I think as well, and there's what, another player we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, Bacchus, who, who that hasn't worked out. And I think, I, I think for me, you'd be naive to think that these two players are Bolton's only two choices. Mm. Um, they've clearly got plenty of irons in the fire you'd expect them to. So you never know. These players might have actually been Bolton's second choice and they're trying to do a deal for the first choice. Or you never know, but these two players might have been Bolton's second choices and suddenly the first choice has become available and they're suddenly like, well, if we're going to bring them in, we don't want to spend as much or mm. we don't want to take that chance. So you don't know, but I think what is important to remember is this episode goes out tomorrow as we speak, so that's the 30th of June. We have another two months left of the window. So for me, I'm not worried in one bit that Bolton might have like, this is it. If only signed four them. players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I'm not worried about it at all because, as well, you could get all your business done in June or you know July, and then come the end of August, suddenly, actually, a player that you didn't think was available in the summer but has suddenly become available is available. 
Hmm. So who knows? You know, we we I mean we might end up signing both of these players, but we might not do. And if we don't, you never know. Further down the line, there could be a, a better player or a player who's going to have a, a better career with Bolton who becomes available. Yeah, I mean you make a good point, certainly about the, the deals that go public because you know I mean. I'm in the trade of making these deals public. It's not, i be honest, my favourite bit of the job. I prefer the creative writing side of it than the um, the more salacious, kind of gossipy, uh, you know, grimy transfer side of it. I'll be completely honest with you guys. It really, it's not really my thing. Um, these examples here are, are, are very good ones because everybody every vested interest in the deal and you know the sometimes three four sides to every one of these things everybody says something different and to separate the fact from the fiction to use jack dearden's phrase is is not always very easy so uh, yeah i mean i've I, certainly with wilson you know it, it went as close as it could be as far as i can see to getting done without it happening we'll move on to bacchus which i think is has got the added layer of international flavour to it as well so there was a lot of paperwork to get done which had dragged it on that little bit further anyway um again you know conflicting reports had the player had a medical had the player not had a medical did the player fail medical did the player not fail medical did he turn down or did bolton turn down we're now seeing i mean you you made me aware of this when we started the podcast, Henry, that there's a story come out now from Australia that says that Bacchus is the guy that pulled the club on, uh, pulled the plug on the deal, and that he said he didn't want to go to Bolton because Hibs and another Championship club are involved. Hey, everybody, honestly, uh, there is not a view or a stance on this transfer that I have not heard in the last four or five days. Believe me, um, I, I literally was waiting for some famous Australian, I don't know, Paul Hogan or something to, to turn up and Crocodile Dundee to have his say, in, a say on it as well. It's it just, it's been absolutely, absolutely mad. Um, what we what we know for certain is that Bolton had a very strong interest in this guy and that he's a very decent player. We know that he did have, at the end of last season, uh, a knee injury which he'd kind of dragged on from the World Cup didn't really get it rested and that it kept him out of training and, and, and contention for St Mirren at the end of last season. Now, it looks as if he is back in training. Now, there's no question about that because he's, he's published the, the photos and such like. But whether or not he was in the right state for Bolton or whether they had a few queries on that front, we will never know, probably. Um all I can say is that from the Bolton end, and this applies for Wilson as well, is that they were not happy on the due diligence they did on the deal in the end. They'd, they'd gone to a, you know, however much, 80, 90% of getting through it and then said, hey, are we really happy with this? And said no. So I can understand that everybody's a bit disappointed and a bit peeved. And I could see certainly from the player's point of view that they're not very happy. Um, but as you rightly pointed out there, Henry... These are two deals that we know about. They're just two deals that happen to have hit the newspapers. There are other deals, no doubt, that that we never hear about and probably happen here, or that we we don't know about and we'll only know once they put blue smoke out on Twitter and suddenly there's some weird transfer 
flipping reveal thing that seems to be the the diverb these 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 days but anyway it is what it is um from my point of view messy as as messy as uh two deals have been for a long long time it reminded me it reminded me of the good old days of of things like uh like veloso and and jermaine beckford jermaine beckford took about three months to sign for bolton when dougie friedman was here and everything there was there was basically every single type of u-turn involved in that story i must have done 50 stories on jermaine beckford back in the day he obviously did play for bolton and some people would wish he hadn't but um <laughs> just the build-up to it was just madness um, and, you know, they may get revisited in the future. Who knows? But I, I feel that Bolton have moved on for reasons best known to themselves, is what I'll say. <laughs> um, so we'll have to wait and see. But, um, I mean, looking at the... We're going to talk about, um, you know, some of the, the players that have, have signed on the dotted line for new contracts. Mm. We have made a signing since our last episode as well and, and uh, whatnot. But... Um, if you look at Bolton's squad at the moment, then are, are we are we right to assume a title charge, or uh, are, are we still sort of playoffs? Are we less than that? Well, how do you see? Not that Bolton are going to have this squad come the start of the season, but if we did, where would you say they are at the moment? I don't think there's a as things stand. There's a mass decrease in quality. You would say that right back still. I'd, I've not seen much of. Uh, Josh Dakers Cogley. I've heard some really good stuff about him. Um, whether he can legitimately be said to be able to step straight in and do what Connor Bradley did, I think it, that would be asking quite a lot of him. But hey, we shall see. Um, so, you know, were they to get a, a wing back before the start of the season, I think they're capable of doing exactly what they did. I, I do think Baxter is an excellent addition as, as a goalkeeper. And then obviously um, we've talked about Coleman and and and, uh, and Lundelow as well, who's, who's come in permanently as well. So they've got pretty much the same squad, plus Bud Varsons fit again, plus Isledale's fit again. So it's, it's decent. Um, what I think has to happen still needs to ha- happen as it were is um is the goals and from the conversations i've had with ian Everett um uh, and with other guys in the camp is is that it's not just a personnel thing is i think there will be additions i think they will look to sign one or two more midfielders to add to that goal threat but actually it's it's more of a tactical tweak than anything else and it's possibly more of a kind of an attitude tweak than anything else. I think a lot of times last season we sat and watched Bolton bang their head against the brick wall. You know, you're screaming at them, shoot, 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 shoot. Well, that is something they're working on. They're looking at scoring more goals from outside the penalty area, scoring more goals from set pieces, getting more effective crosses from where Connor Bradley found himself so often last season and, and we were you know, constantly seeing things flash across the box or not enough bodies in the box and all that kind of thing. So they're the little they're the little tactical things that we so often complained about last season. They are the things that are being worked on right now on that training pitch. So you would hope that even if no more signings were made, that those players that got to the playoffs last season and only lost that semi-final by one goal um, would would improve or could improve because... I mean, the evidence is there. 
Ian Everett has improved his team year on year, full stop, and it, and it tends to happen at this time of year. Yeah, it does, and um, you know, I think they, they again, this you've got to put trust in what the club are doing, and we've got people behind the the scenes like Chris Markham who are they're very good and proved they're very good at what they do. Um, you know, and, and again, like you know, you you have got to trust what the process is. They will, they know what we need to do. They know the players that we need to do to perform. Ian Everett's always saying how um, it's you know he wants perfection. Well, so far in that League Two season, we we hardly conceded any in the second half of the season. We didn't score many. The, mm. the season after in League One, we scored a, a hatful, but conceded a hatful. <laughs> Last year was different. So, on that uh, on that metric, we're either good. We are going to have a season where we're going to score loads but concede loads. Um, but Ian Everett won't want that. He'll, he'll, we've got a settled defence. He'll want that to continue, and he wants to win every game four or five nil. Um, and I think the way we play, we can do that. It's like you said there, you know, the amount of opportunities we had last year where Connor Bradley or Gavin Jones or whoever it was was getting to the byline and there's no one in the middle or um, the crosses aren't going to the men. They were quite a lot. So if we can sort that out, uh, plus keep what we're doing in the middle of the uh, park and in defence, then we're going to be a strong team. And you do think that you know they they not they're not just picking up players willy nilly they they look at stats now and they look at how other players play and can they you know who's going to do that for them they'll have identified where the problems were last year and they'll look to fix them so uh, this is why another reason why I'm very excited to see what the finished Bolton Wanderers are this season finished Bolton Wanderers that'd be weird <laughs> <laughs> right okay should we have some proper news in headline form News. Yes. Okay. Let's uh, let's get back to what we do best, and that's reading out stories in uh, in the paper, and uh, well, basically chatting about them. That's we we did stories. We deserve to chat about them, is what I say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't take any credit for any of them. Uh, so you're uh, under our oh. umbrella now, Henry. We did the stories. <laughs> You're to blame uh, okay. as well. <laughs> uh, so this is the first story I did this week. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, we, ju- we just mentioned him then. Daniel Lundelew has signed for uh, Baltimore just mm. permanently. We saw him on loan last season. Uh, didn't quite hit the heights of what we, we'd hoped to see. Uh, he had a few knocks and then it was difficult for him to come back. He did score against Bristol Rovers though, so we saw a glimpse of it. Um, Ian Everett really wanted to work with him again and he's going to three-year deal. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think he's still got a bit to prove. And, and interestingly, I think he never, in his interview with the club, I think it was, was talking about his fitness still needs to get up there compared to, to what he wants. So big couple of weeks really for him now to, to really you know work hard and, and to get to that level that he never expects from him. But I spoke to Raddy Jaidi, who uh, obviously used to play for Bolton, now he's at Circle Bruges. He's finished second in the Belgian league. Well done to him, by the way. Um, he, uh, he he obviously worked with him at Southampton as as a kid, and he has a lot of hope that he will do well for Bolton. I think he he believes he's got a real future ahead of him. We talked about the comparison that Ian Everett made with even Tony, Ivan Tony rather. Um, and, and he, he agreed with it. To be honest, it, it kind of the 
the makeup of his game, the journey that he'd taken, got a lot of loan experience. He's he's maturing. Um, he's a decent he's a decent guy as well, which I think seems to kind of tick a box for Bolton and for for Ian Everett as well. I think that he does tend to recruit certain types of people, and and I think Unlundalu is is very much his type of player. He's certainly willing to learn. So I think there will always be more scrutiny for any player that has had a transfer fee, which Unlundalu we're told is a six-figure transfer fee. I think we're talking roughly Dion Charles levels of of fee there. Um, you know, a, a reasonable chunk of money, but strikers are going to cost you a reasonable chunk of money. And um, I think, uh, you know, I think he he's certainly an unpolished gem, but I, I hope he does well, I really do. And then he falls into the same sort of category as uh, Victor Adebayejo, I suppose, in as much as he's got that price tag round his neck um, and people are going to be expecting him to, to go on and to improve. But this is the time of year where he does that. Yes, it is. He's, um, I think he was saying that he kind of wanted a place to, to sort of settle uh, and he's found that, um, yep. you know, he's had a lot of loans and never really settled at Southampton. So it'd be good for him to be with us. He's got that three-year buffer as well where he can really, um, he knows he's he's with us for that time. I I, I quite like the look of him. I liked the, there was a bit of rawness there that um, told me that he he will be a good player for us. I'm sure he will. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think it's a big summer for him and Anna Joe as well because mm. he didn't really perform as well as what we would have hoped for. Oh. There's an agent for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is it my agent asking for it's more money? A, it's your agent asking for a, a more money and a, a bigger rider. I've told you, they don't do purple M&Ms anymore. I, I just, <laughs> what's going on? Just dye some red ones. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I think I, I I look at him and and see that yeah I think that Ivan Tony comparison is you know can be there I think he's someone who could progress you know he's he's got strength he's got uh, he's talented on the ball um, he's got a hell of a shot on him I remember when he I think he nearly knocked Cambridge's defender out when he <laughs> he's had his shot I think yeah. he hit him twice but um, yeah I think it's uh, you know it's is. I'm, I'm pleased with the signing. I think he, he has got a lot to prove and now there's pressure on him. There wasn't pressure on him last year, but there is now. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, you look at our strike force now and we've got three players there who are, are costing nearly a million pounds, if not a million pounds. So mm. there is pressure on all of them, uh, including then Bod Barson and Jerome. So, um, yeah, I think... I was quite happy with it. I hopefully he can score some goals, and uh, you know, and I think he's someone who, if he's probably the the most out of all of our strikers, actually, I think if we was to rise up the leagues, he's the one I think who could probably adapt more to a higher league, so could stick with us. That, that's very much Jade's opinion, to be honest. I think he uh, he said League One football, obviously isn't to the same standard as as you know championship premier league but it doesn't necessarily ask the same questions of players as playing higher up the levels and and let's not forget London has played in the premier league 
You know, he's not he's not just some kid that Southampton have palmed out on loan somewhere. He, he was a first team option under Ralph Hasselhuddle, rather, um, a couple of years ago. So, you know, he's 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 capable of playing at that level, or he was capable. So he's he's got a point to prove to get back up there. Um, and he's maybe got to adjust slightly to something different at League One level, uh, even though Bolton, you'd argue, play a slightly different or a, fo- a brand of football that you wouldn't necessarily think would be League One level. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm backing him. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. I've uh, I've got high hopes for him. Give us another headline, though. Uh, well, two players that are sticking with us as well next season. Uh, we know very uh, we know loads about because they they are our players. Um, Geffen Jones, who, as you said before, has been here since the great, the heavy days of Bamburgh Bridge away, <laughs> uh, and Kyle he's on the bench as well. <laughs> yeah, he's he's grown into his position. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've signed new contracts, and uh, it, is this again? This is, I think, sometimes what we as fans can forget is that sometimes, as great as it is, it is to make loads of signings. Some of your biggest signings are actually keeping the players. Mm. who are here uh, and these two have, have performed very well Geffen Jones is Mr Consistent uh, Kyle Dempsey has had a, a great season last year compared to a difficult first six months so um, yeah it's good to have them on board again isn't it it is it is and I don't need to tell anybody about the last I don't know six eight years and the churn of players that every year you were seeing players on maximum two-year contracts, but very often one-year contracts. And it would be a rarity for people to stick around. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of players like David Wheater, who maybe played for a, a fair while. Josh Feller stayed for a fair while. There, there were not many players who went beyond two seasons. Now we're starting to see things glued together a little bit. We're starting to see our squad and people like Gethin, Rico, Dempsey now with his new deal, they're starting to be a bit more proactive and say, well, okay, well, you're not in your final year of deal. We don't need to have this kind of like huge drama over over your future. Let's get ahead of it. Um, and that's not necessarily meaning that, oh, well, that means Gethin Jones is set for the next couple of years. We've already seen Bolton will quite happily flog on a player or move on a player if if they feel that um if they feel they're not pulling the weight. I just think it gives that little bit of feeling of security for the player, but also feeling of security for the club. And you know, they're not going to have people picked off cheaply, as has happened in the past. I mean, we're talking fifteen years ago, Johan Almander signed for Bolton, eight point two million pounds. Wow. Uh, and we all know what happened there. The eight point two million pounds, or the ten million, or whatever you want to say, was worth in the end, just disappeared into thin air because they did not have that same proactive view and to get the contract done when it needed to be done, or you know, it just didn't work. And and so many examples of players that have paid money for and have gone for nothing, you know, and Gog, they've been lucky with a few others, uh, you know, it's so much wasted money. And I'm just glad to see they are getting ahead of things. And George Johnson, we spoke off air about George Johnson. I would be amazed if he's not next. I, I would, I would love for that to already be out in the ether, or, or for that, you know, I'm, I'm very sure that they'd be talking about him about a new deal. 
you know, he's he's too much of an asset to let that drift into the last twelve months and to even run the risk for me um, of letting him go. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, you know he's he's grown so much uh, since we brought him in. Um, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, and he's he's uh, tackling is very good. He's he's uh, play with his feet is very good as well. So. Yeah, I think he's someone who, again, can go up the leagues with us. And I think that's the main thing. And we saw that with, um, you know, it could have been sentimental to keep Kieran Lee and Kachunga. And um, obviously, the, the club are looking at who can rise up the leagues with us. Who do we want to keep with us? And um, George Johnson is definitely one of those players. So hopefully he can be next. And, uh, you know, I look on uh, Burned and Aces uh, on you know his website and they on the squad they list, have, yeah. yeah, the squad list with the contracts. And I think George Johnson is the only one really uh, that's left in the the ones the the contracts that are up, um, you know, in twenty twenty four. So mm. hopefully that can be sorted and uh, and yeah, we can uh, we can take it from there. And, and as well, it's not just about keeping these players about. You know, you you've got to look at sellable assets. And George Johnson is one of those. So if he signs a new contract, then. Of course, if a club comes knocking in uh, in January, we could sell him for an extra million. hundred percent, and and that's something we've talked about very regularly on here is that player trading is something that Bolton have to do better, and and people have to get their head around that that will happen. I think I've I've seen quite a bit of talk about Dion Charles on Twitter in the last couple of days about oh well, you know it would be devastating if Dion Charles were to get sold etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, not really. Not really. They just have to go and find Dion Charles. You know, Dion Charles has done brilliantly for Bolton. I don't think there's anything happening, by the way, at the minute. I'm just saying in the theoretical instance that somebody were to come in, then Bolton would have to treat it, you know, on that on that sort of merit. I mean, it, it, they have to generate money somehow. They can't just be continually fearing losing players I think they've just got to say, right, well, yes, that's a good price for him. Let's move on. You know, let's use some of that money to find the next guy. And, and that's got to be the, the way that they move forward. The same with Dapo. They found a way of winning games without Dapo offline. They got some money for him. Did they get enough money for him? Yeah, I think there's a debate to be had there. Did, did they suffer for not having him? Again, there's a debate to be had there, but they got the money for him. It's all gone into the pot. Um, and there's going to be more money down the line, I'm sure, with Dapo. So... Yeah, it's just, it's it's the way it has to be. It's the way it has to be. There's no bottomless pit of money just being spent on, on signings and, and such like. It's It's got to be a business. And uh, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned there about players, outgoing players. Um, Kieran Sadlier mm. is definitely one of the players that, if, if you was to say, give me two or three players that who you think Bolton might, who might not be at the club, come uh, September 1st, Kieran Sadlier would be on that list. However, it's not all doom and gloom for the Kieran Sadlier uh, fans out there. Mm. Ian Everett has had his say and said that he, he still has a chance to be in the first team. Well, the, the good thing is that, that Sadlier appears to have come back with a bit between his teeth, good condition, had a, a good end of the year with, with Leighton Orient on loan last season. So, you haven't got a player who's sulking or thinking, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I think he's he knows he's going to have options. I think he played well last season. He certainly played well for Bolton. And I think anybody will look at that first half of the season and say, oh, would it be worth keeping him around? Because he's always useful to 
even throwing off the bench. I'm not sure that's what Sads wants to be. I don't think he wants to be an impact substitute. I think he wants to start games, and, and that's going to now depend on, on what offers come in for him. Um, and, and and maybe, you know, how happy he is at, at maybe having a, a bit part or being a squad player at Bolton. Um, the good thing is, though, he, he seems to have the, the right attitude and, and he seems to get on with Ian Ever and there's no, uh, there's no distance there. Sometimes when you see these players come back from loan, you know there's no chance. You know there's absolutely no chance of, of them either featuring or, or really having any sort of chance. But you could see Kieran Saglia getting opportunities like he did last season in the Cup and then maybe getting something in January. We'll, we'll see, but I, I'm happy to see him back. Yeah, I think uh, Sadlia... Uh, yeah, I don't know with Sadlia. I think he he was... At the start of last year, I was like, yeah, he's, he's shown enough. He can score a goal. He needs to be in the team more. And I know it's difficult, and this was the problem with Dapo, is the, the, you know, how we play. Yeah, yeah. We don't need wingers. Um, I, I felt when then Sadlia started a few games, remember the Barnsley game in the FA Cup and a few Papa John's games... Um, I mean, in the Papa John's, he did score, but I don't think. I, I think he, I think he did suit being an impact sub more. Like Fleetwood away, I think he set up Dapo's mm. goal. So uh, I think that's the sort of situation he put himself in. Um, he's gone away to Leighton Orient. They've got promoted, so he's he's then been having the you know playing all the time anyway. So whether he. he He's got the bug for that again and thinks, well, uh, sod Bolton, I'm going to go somewhere where I'll play. But I think with Bolton, yeah, he needs to either adapt to um, play fullback or he needs to accept that he's going to be playing in a variety of roles that could be up playing up front or in that number 10 role or fullback. You know, mm, he's, mm. that's the situation he's in. So, um I think there's something there, and I'd love him to stay. But I just I think at the moment, I I actually agree with Ian Ever. He needs to. It's up to him. He needs to show more. Well, okay, let's move on. Um, so you had a chat with Ian Ever uh, a few days ago, and on the topics of conversation was about um, improving set pieces this mm. season. I felt the the improved in the second half of the season. But yeah, in the first it was an issue, and and before that, in the seasons before, there would be an issue with how many goals we'd scored from set pieces. So is I assume that is on the agenda for pre-season is to sort that out. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, tweak that they're making, really. Um, so basically, they are advertising for a a new analyst um, who may may be a new coach as well that will have responsibility for set pieces you're right in saying second half last season the xg or expected threat or whatever else you want to measure it with everything improved there was bolton took and scored more uh better set pieces they were more threatening from them um but this, there, there are more gains to be made from it. I think. I think they've looked at it as one of the major areas they can just get a little bit more from, and so they're trying to bring in a specialist. Um, it could be that this guy is is a pure analyst, and that he doesn't have 
the, the, the delivering on the training ground coaching responsibilities, or it could be that he does a bit of both. Uh, there's, there's still kind of uh, something to be done. They're still in the recruitment process for that. But I think it it's part of the money that they're investing from the bond, I think. This is one of the reasons they wanted this sort of boost for funding to be able to, to bring in people who can just give them extra bits in areas they didn't have before. And um, yeah, I think if if it means, you know, a bit more information, a bit more uh, diversity in the way they take them or, or kind of better an analysis on even, a get, even defensively as well, the way they defend them, you know, ultimately the, a set-piece cost Bolton a place in the playoff final. So again, if they, if they can improve on that side of things as well, it would be it would be good. So it's interesting stuff. I'm looking forward really to uh, to seeing whether it works. Yeah, me too. It's, it's such a I don't know to me as a an outsider really to the in you know the stats and the football world. It seems such an easy thing to get right. Yeah. I know I know it's not as easy as that, but it, it's such a an easy thing where if you get it right, surely it's going to provide more goals. That's mm. to me anyway, you know, and it got to a point where in previous years, Bolton get a corner, the crowd react, and then actually you remember going, well, we're not going to score, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think definitely, the, I, I think the the problem at first was the deliveries, in my opinion, and I think mm. since then we've now got Morley um, and one or two others who, who've had deliveries from set pieces, like Sheehan, he's, he's really good. So, um I think that's that's been dealt with, and now it's just about trying to get people on the end. Because you look at our strikers, okay, I don't think Dion Charles is going to score many headers uh, from a corner, but you know you've got big lads in there. You've got Bobarson uh, and Wunderlu at Biagio. You've got the centre halves. Like uh, how Santos took him hundred games to score, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we've we've now got those players. Toll scored a few from set pieces, so. Yeah, we need to utilise it more and, and hopefully we will do. I don't think you even have to be that tall. I mean, you know, Kyle Dempsey scored with a header in the Papa John's trophy final just because the delivery was right and the the timing of the run was right. I think sometimes you can look at how teams defend set pieces and say, right, you know, if we put XYZ blockers there, if we put XYZ runners there, there is a good chance if we deliver the ball to this area that we'll get a chance. And I... I hasten to say, I guarantee, in fact, to say that that has happened to Bolton because you could see the same trends emerge against Bolton um, last season. And, and that, again, will fall into the remit of this, this new guy to, to maybe iron that out as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think you, you, the, the level of detail that goes into this preparation is phenomenal. You would you would barely barely realise it's football sometimes. It just looks like... Uh, like the Matrix or something, it's it's madness. <laughs> uh, well, the man who's going to be keeping the set pieces from the opposition out of our net is Nathan Baxter, and mm. uh, he's revealed this week that he's turned down five times his Bolton salary to sign for Bolton. Um, which I mean, that must have been one hell of a PowerPoint presentation to get into the club. <laughs> yeah, and we're talking about your sort of numbers here, you know, literally. <laughs> Unbelievable figures. Um, I, I had a good chat with uh, with Nathan Baxter, um, and I mean, as a character, 
But I tell you what, he is not lacking in confidence at all. He uh, he wants to be the best in League One. He felt he was a good, very good Championship goalkeeper. He's let it be known that he could have been playing Champions League football for a lot, lot more money. It looks like it was a club in Israel, Maccabi Hafia, that were were after him. Um, and you know, he's he's all goalkeepers have got kind of they've got to have some sort of confidence about. Him. I mean, James Trafford was exactly the same. They they have to have this kind of firm focus, almost mechanical kind of belief about what they're doing, uh, because it's it's such a specialised position. This this you know you can't really go missing as a goalkeeper, can you? It's got to be all about you. It's almost a, an individual sport in a team game. So often that lends itself to kind of slightly peculiar personalities. But this guy, you know, laser focus, really, really interesting guy. He's got obviously a fantastic pedigree with Chelsea from the age of, I think he was nine when he started at Chelsea. Didn't play at Chelsea, but he's he's gradually worked his way all the way up the ladder in different loan spells. Um, Carlo Cudicini um, was the guy in charge of the loans. Um, and he's kind of, pushed him on and pushed him on and pushed him on at every single level um, up to the point where he was a regular at Hull. Now, he got a couple of injuries which kind of truncated those two spells. So he would have been playing in the championship with Hull had it not been for those injuries. Enter Bolton and now he's got a chance. And he said, if I can be the best uh, goalkeeper in League One, then that gives Bolton the best chance of getting out of League One and for me to go and play in the championship again. So, no, I, I like him. I think it's been... It's been interesting, but he's you know it's all right talking the talk, and everybody, there's a few people I've seen on social media is like, oh, this guy knows what to say. He's he's definitely ticking all the boxes. Well, yeah, that's fine, but you know he's got to go and deliver now, and uh, I think he he uh, he realizes that. I think it's not it's not just about how you talk; it's how you perform. Yeah, and I agree. I I, I did feel that listening to his interview with the club when he first signed, he, he does talk very well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, and as we said last week, he's. He's got uh, a big challenge for the guy he's following, but um, you know he's—I'm sure he's well aware of that, and I'm sure you know. I think a good thing now is, um, you know, I think obviously the club do the research, don't they, and they know what type of player someone is. And we may have got lucky with Trafford that he's he settled so quickly, but you'd like to think now with Baxter's come in, he's got six weeks before the season to to really get how we play. Yeah. Um, and I said last week, you know, shot stopping and how he is with his feet was what Trafford was great at. And by the looks of it, he's a good shot stopper. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does with his feet because if um, this is it, is that as great as it is, well, arguably great because some people hate it, but as good as it is to play out from the back, if you get it wrong, then you've got problems. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Um, right, moving on then. Uh, last weekend was the Legends match over at Appleton Calls, and uh, it, I weren't there, but you was, and mm. everyone seemed to enjoy himself. Certainly did, certainly did, especially Reedy. Good grief, <laughs> he certainly enjoyed the bar afterwards. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had a good laugh. We had a good laugh. We had a, a really um, pleasant afternoon. Lots of good football played. Loads of people having fun beforehand, um, and lots of money hopefully raised for lots of good causes. Um, big shout out to Kelby Making who kind of organised the event, did the shirts and all that kind of stuff because organising and herding footballers is such a difficult task. And, uh, you know, he pulled it off. 
there were late pullouts. There was a couple of people literally on the morning of the game, which was disappointing. But hey, you know, it didn't suffer for, as a spectacle. It was actually a very entertaining game. Some really good goals. Uh, got to see people like Thogden um, <laughs> running around um, after uh, after Toby Britton was quite amusing, uh, trying to keep him in check. Um Got to see uh, Abdulli Faye and Alex Baptista's centre half partnership, which was which was magnificent. Um, Stelios, you know, class class guy, full stop, uh, just absolutely everywhere. Um, it was great. Nicky Hunt as well, rolling back the years. Uh, and I also saw Sam Ashton hit a, a half volley from about twenty yards, which if it would have been goal of the month if it had been match of the day, it was a it was a great strike. And he was up front as well. Sa- Sam Allardyce throwing Sam Ashton up front. Where would you see that? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Sam was a, the, you know he knew all along he knew all along what he yeah. was doing. Yeah, um, and it was good to see Sam as well. And do you know what? I mean, look. The guy, that guy was managing Leeds United uh, a few months ago. You know, he did not have to get out of bed if he didn't want to. And yet he carts himself down there to Atherton Coles on a on a Saturday afternoon, you know, for, you know, for, for former players association, for, you know, for, for local causes. I mean, it really is. It's, it's top notch. Absolute class, really. Same with Peter Reid as well. You know, both turning out, and and it was. It, I honestly didn't think Sam was going to make kickoff. He he got to the gates, and people just swarmed on him, and he posed for every single photo. Never never stopped. Never said no. Never never said listen. Let me get in here and do this. He literally everything fantastic. Um, real great credit. Uh, great credit to the club. And I know the club kind of officially didn't have anything to do with it, but it just reflected so well on Baltimore Wanderers. Yeah, I think it's the the feel good atmosphere that's around the club now and yeah. you, you do wonder if, if this sort of thing had been happening a few years ago would the same appetite have been there and and stuff and uh, you know it's, it, it was great on social media I know you and, and Dan were posting stuff and other people too it was great to see the uh, and it, obviously the sunshine helped as well so uh, mm. that was good um, you know and uh, I believe you, you spoke to Nicky Hunt and I believe that Nicky Hunt as uh, he no longer wants to play up front, but he wants to be in the dugout. Yeah, yeah. We we all dream of a, a team of Nicky Hunts, apostrophe S. Uh, yeah, I think um, he, he fancies it. I think he's doing a bit of coaching now at, at Bolton School and at U-Clan, uh, and he's assistant manager at Warrington Rylands as well, as I think, um, at the moment. So he's, he's keeping himself busy. He said he's kind of never been, never been busier, but he has got an eye on a top job somewhere and, and to use that experience that he's had because even though we obviously remember him from being Nicky Hunt, you know, boy from Daisy Hill, uh, you know, in the Premier League days, he's actually had a very long career in football. He's played more than 400 games and he's played right the way down the level. So he's got really good experience and uh, got the badges and got everything now. And he's, he's obviously got the ear of people like Big Sam or Peter Reid and, and such like that, that would be able to help him at, uh, at any turn or offer advice. So, I yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a cracking lad, isn't Nicky? He's, he's, he's really, uh, really good lad to talk to and I do wish him wish him all the best. Yeah, I think all Bolton fans do. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see Nicky Hunt uh, in, you know, in the... The managerial dugout in the EFL, and on Matty Taylor just got a job at oh, yeah. Shrewsbury, hasn't yeah. he? So, uh, yeah, there's a few farmer wanderers that are knocking about, which is good. 
Cut from a slightly um, different cloth is uh, Matty Taylor than Nicky Hunt, but they, they, <laughs> you know they are both former Wanderers. It's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, just slightly. Uh, right, last headline and uh, Tough Sheets Stadium is, uh, is official. <laughs> the uh, the branding is up, and this kind of got forgotten about really yeah. uh, amongst all the everything else that's been happening with Bolton. But it's the start of a new era, um, and the new era is the Tough Sheet era. Yeah, yeah, it's really strange because. I saw a couple of photos on uh, Twitter on the morning of, I think was it, was it last Friday, I think, or maybe when the podcast went out last week, and I thought, oh, look, they're putting the signage up. And then it kind of just struck me, it's like, oh, they're putting the signage up. I should really get hold of one of these photos, because I, I was stuck stuck doing some more recording um, for uh, Stop Press, Bolton Wanderers in the 90s, which is available to all subscribers, by the way, of the Bolton News, just in case you were uh, second episode out this weekend. Um, but anyway, uh, I was doing some more recording, so I couldn't get out of the house. So actually, Derek Clark had uh, thankfully been driving past uh, the stadium and he took a photo for me. Um, and the story went absolutely through the roof because it kind of it, it, I got my head around it a little bit. It was it was going to happen, but we really haven't seen any physical signs of tough sheep being there. And it, it, it suddenly it looked different. The stadium looked different with that bright white thing on top rather than the signs we've kind of just got used to seeing it just becomes part of the vista doesn't it um so yeah we're now tough sheet and, and you know it doesn't even sound that bad to me anymore i don't care i'm sure there'll be some sniggering going on um you know there's been a couple of opposition journalists that have sent me oh, i can't wait to go to the tough sheet and all that sort of stuff and it when you see it in black and white sometimes it's like uh, what's going on but i i don't mind it doesn't bother me anymore i don't i don't see i don't feel any real reason to call it anything other than the tough sheet anymore yeah, exactly. I think the name, uh, yeah, but there is a joke there initially and, um, you know, we all had a laugh about it and a lot of opposition fans would have a laugh about it. But I think, I, you know, I think it's, uh, it, people just get used to it and it, they've signed a deal for a few years as well, so we will get used to it. And, uh, um, you know, this is the main thing now It's what would you rather money come in and be playing in the tough sheet stadium in the Premier League or uh, no money come in and playing at, uh, I don't know, the Lofthouse Stadium, uh, <laughs> or, you know, calling it something like that. So um, it's modern football and this is what you've, uh, we've got to do. But I do prefer it to, I mean, some of the other names of stadiums are ridiculous. Like, the, what was it, the Johnny Rock Stadium? I think that was Cheltenham, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Oi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna shelve emails for this week because um, well, I can't I can't bump them on. Um, so sorry if you have sent in some emails this week. We will uh, we will uh, get round to you. We'll do a, we'll do a double episode uh, next week and do a double uh, double email episode. Um, but I did manage to catch up with um, Young Daddy Bedvarsen on the training ground in Portugal. Um, he spared uh, a couple of minutes to tell me all about his kind of comeback and and what he's been doing over the summer, gearing towards that, that big, big comeback. And uh, uh, what he had to say was well worth a listen. So, so here's a few clips. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good, tired, but good. <laughs> Looks a struggle over there, Portugal. It must be, must be terrible. Yeah, it is. No, it's... <laughs> Nice. It's hard though, but it's nice. It's Pre pre-season's oh. never easy. Doesn't matter whether it's Portugal or anywhere else, does it? No, it's always like it's funny. Like last day of the holiday, you're like, oh no, pre-season's <laughs> coming up. You're like, 
thoughts in your head. But then, yeah, it's good for you in the end, isn't it? It certainly is, mate. It certainly is. It's good to see you back because uh, I, I think you would have taken pre-season given the, the sort of few months you've had. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I felt like I really needed, like, because the last four months of the last season, I just um, barely, well, I was training with the physios, but I didn't really mm. do a lot of football-related stuff until, uh, like, the last two weeks. So um, getting a proper full pre-season now is going to help, mm. for sure. Mm. I remember sitting probably where you are now last, last year, um, yeah. over there, and, and you're saying... This is it, you know. I've had a bit of a yeah. bit of a difficult start. I mean, it's it's so frustrating that it didn't it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to go. Yeah, and it was just the timing of it as well. Mm. I felt I was gaining good momentum, you know, and starting to build consistency and stuff. So then this happens, and mm. um, I just like when uh, when Matt told me the news over the phone, I was just like. I think I wanted to cry, honestly. Mm. Mm. I was like, oh, it's going to be till the end of the season. So I, it had never happened to me before as well, like that long of an injury. So mm. it was definitely a challenge mentally, a, something like a new challenge I've never experienced. So, yeah. yeah. That's it. I mean, you don't look back at your career. You've, you've not really had many bad injuries at all, have you? You've always been a, a very consistent, fit player, as it were. Yeah, like... The only injuries I've had are an occasional, maybe hamstring pull or yeah, you know, yeah. the classic ones. But I never had like it was the first time I had surgery, and um, and all of a sudden I could get it all in one full <laughs> flow. Like they broke my nose at surgery, and then almost <laughs> almost two weeks later, this happens to my ankle. So kept being put to sleep for surgery, and I had experience that it was almost like a habit. <laughs> well, you've caught up with your sleep now. I bet, I bet you're absolutely raring to go. I mean, it, there's the old cliche in football: it's like having a new signing. But I, I do feel feel that applies to you at the minute. Yeah, no, like I'm I'm so excited and like I was kind of giddy, like you know, want to start like having a good preseason and very excited like for the upcoming season. Mm. And in a weird way, you know, sometimes like. When you have these fallbacks, they can benefit you mentally as well. You know, you get get a time to look at yourself and like, um, you know, try to get a better perspective of where you where you are at the career mm. and, and stuff. So, and certain like, um, a learning curve for sure. Mm. So, I feel like I learned a lot during this time, even though I wasn't playing football. No, I, I, it must have been difficult. Obviously, the, the club did so well, and, and with Wembley and with with getting to the playoffs, there's a lot of us that thought, had you been out there, that might have just made the difference. Did you sit there thinking that yourself? Yeah, like it's maybe. I think it's maybe unfair as well to say that I could have made a world of difference. You know, um, obviously, when you're sitting and watching the game, it, it, you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know you're confident enough to mm. think like okay, I could make a difference but you know I think watching especially these two games against Barnsley I just felt they just had a cutting edge they would just let's just be honest they were mm. a bit better than us mm. um, and we struggled especially in the second leg to break them down we had the ball but we weren't really creative enough mm. and um, so yeah credit to them I think 
it was a great learning experience for the team to reach that far and see what's what's needed you know to mm. improve it for hopefully hopefully this coming season it's good to see him back in it henry it is, yeah. He's a he's a top striker. Hopefully, he can stay fit for the you know for the whole season. Because I think even looking at last season, he scored what seven or eight before his eight, yeah, his yeah. injury. So um, he got injured in January. You would have thought that he would have at least got past the the magical twelve um, that we we were stuck on for a long time. So uh, yeah, I think he's and I think as as well the the shame was just before he got injured, like in that Barnsley game, that him and Charles were playing very well up front together. So. Um, it was quite annoying that he got injured, but uh, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. He's he's a goal scorer, and uh, sometimes that's what you well all the time. It's what you need. <laughs> well, I, I do. I said it to him in, in that interview. Is that you know a lot of us think had you been injured, had you been fit, that it, there could have been a difference in that Barnsley game. There could have been a difference in a couple of the games potentially in the lead up to that, where Bolton just looked a little bit too reliant on on Dion Charles coming up with a goal. Um, are, are you in that camp? Do you think that that Budvarsson would have been the difference? Um, yeah, he could have been. Yeah, I think um, I, I would argue. I'd probably argue that we didn't create enough to be honest yeah, in either maybe. game. So maybe he wouldn't have had. But I think. Uh, you know, you think of one or two of the chances. Was it? Uh, I think Thomason's chance where mm. he in the second leg he just went to the goalie. I think Bod Barson would have hit that a bit better. Um, uh, yeah, maybe I think Unlundalu in the the first leg got some space and he he went straight to the goalie. So yeah, there's one or two in the air as well. Is is the, is the main yeah. thing? I mean, he, he is good in the air. He's not a target man, but I think if you're going to put a ball into the right sort of area. Remember that goal he scored against Wigan, that kind of header. Nobody else is doing that for Bolton. No, exactly. So, yeah, it's, who knows? It, and we might have created something differently. But I think, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, it's... Isn't it funny how we lost that game to Barnsley and they went to the playoff final and then we're looking at, what, a month later? And mm. six weeks later and uh, obviously they are... Uh, they're in a position where they've got no manager. They've got a, they've got an awful kit. Have you seen that? It's been released today. <laughs> I have, yeah. yeah. Not not so clever, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so when uh, we're, we're we're you know we're in Portugal signing players and, uh, and or it's not. all good <laughs> or, or not in this week's case. But um, yeah, it's it's funny how it just changes the the atmosphere. And I'm sure if you'd have if you're going off now, who's the more optimistic heading into a new season? It would definitely be Bolton fans. Mm, indeed. Well, it can all change yet, Henry. So let's not count our chickens just yet. We'll uh, we'll <laughs> we'll give it a couple of weeks before we do our official uh, official predictions for next season. But I'm looking forward to doing them because I uh, I just think League One is a very different ball game this season. It just seems to be such much more of a level playing field, obviously without the the bigger budgets and such like. And I did actually I was speaking to this uh, about the same thing with Ian Everett the other day, and uh, and he agrees. He, he's kind of says football moves in cycles and the championship was maybe quite a level playing field last season with the way it worked out. Luton took advantage and, and went up. Um, Coventry got, got up there. There were a few clubs up there that weren't necessarily the big spenders. But this time, with the clubs that have come down from the Premier League and those that have gone up from uh, the, the League One, very different division. And, and yet it's League One this time that seems to be the 
the one that's maybe um, a little bit more open. Can Bolton take advantage? Who knows? Who knows? But um, right, we are going to wind this one up. But before we go, there is a little bit of poetry because the buff bard is back. Oh, yes. And actually, Henry, you'll like this one because uh, it's an ode to Lloyd Isgrove. So um, it's been a while since I've fired up the poetry music, but uh, take it away. Is he just a winger or is he more than that? Is he was a wizard but didn't wear a hat? Is he had his issues? Some say is he was a croc, but is he scored at Salford and Henry has his sock? <laughs> is he gonna find a club? Oh, people say a prayer that Izzy does return some day and give that man a pair. The end. I thank you. Uh, that was very good. I, I do like when we end it on a poem. It's very, uh, I don't know. It's too, we're in a different world. Line of the Anna Street are coming back where they ended on poems. They're ending on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they all argue amongst themselves. Yeah, who are we going to give two out of ten this week, lads? <laughs> yeah, we're the we're the classic, the classical. We're for the high brow balls and fans. We're taking the high, moral high ground again this season. Uh, but you, you always have to find your level. But uh, there we go. Uh, no, yeah, I think a bit, a bit of culturally wholesome uh, poetry to, to see us out. Um, but next week, of course, we will be looking forward to the very first pre-season friendly it all starts there at bamba bridge um i can't wait i can't wait it's uh, it's getting real henry it is yeah it's so exciting seeing them in the new uh, the new home shirt which was released uh, i know mm. you you're not a fan of well you don't care no, you just don't, I don't care, care about shirts <laughs> yeah, but uh, i i quite like it if anyone cares so uh, yeah, it's all it's all coming together, ready for the new season. You'll notice I don't care because I haven't even mentioned it on any of the podcasts at all. No, it's no, a white no. shirt. Uh, I, no, go on. Let's have your sartorial advice here, Henry. I, I, the one note I did make on it was that it's got that kind of like chunky, uh, chunky collar um, design as well that that looks very kind of uh, early eighties. It's supposed to look early eighties, um, like nineteen eighty three style. I think it was. Is, does it do something for you? It does, yeah. Um, I am tempted to buy one. Um, it's a shame about the uh, uh, the back of shirt sponsor, but you know, mm. club's going to make money somehow. So, um, and that's not a, a deal. I, I know the the company are a Bolton company. That's not a dig at them. It's just uh, I, I think back of shirt sponsors look better at the bottom rather than I on see. the shoulders. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. It, I think it's very nice. I'm uh, I'm impressed. Bolton fans have chose rightly, in my opinion. Who's the bum sponsor again? I've forgotten. Uh, there is one, isn't there? Uh, yeah, the uh, the short sponsor. Was it Utility Energy? Ah, oh, that's uh, right. That's yeah. right. I'd, I'd struggle. If I had a pair of them shorts, and I wouldn't know which way around to put them on. It, it'd do me in. But anyway, <laughs> um, yes, yes, I, it is what it is. I, I think there's only so much you can do with a white kit. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested when they release the away one. I don't know when that, when that will be. Hopefully soon. Um, but... Um, I haven't had quite as many people asking me about it this season, to be fair. So that, long may that continue. Okay, yeah. right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to the Buff Podcast. We'll be available once again, of course, on all your good platforms uh, next Friday. And until next week, I've been Mark. Can't wait for a pint at Bamber Bridge Isles. And I've been Henry. Looking forward to the away shirt, Hewitt. And this has been the Buff. 